Joining me is my friend who is no devil, of course, Paul Schrade, joining us from Los Angeles. Welcome, Mr. Schrade, to WBAI New York. Well, good to talk with you, Paul. Yeah, we had a great conversation earlier today, and I wanted to bring it to a, to another audience because uh, you uh, have a number of distinctions in life, and uh, one of them being uh, w- uh, an unfortunate distinction of being one of the folks standing around Robert F. Kennedy in 1968 when he was shot and yourself taking a bullet. Is that true? That's true, and uh, it was after a long, good history with Bob, and uh, loving him, I was able to work with him as his labor chair for the campaign. Mm-hmm. But uh, we were all assaulted that night by two gunmen, and uh, that's the big problem for us. Two gunmen, that's an interesting point there, because that's not the official story, so to speak. No, the official story is one gunman, lone gunman, the LAPD, the Los Angeles Police Department, calls him. Mm-hmm. That was... Sirhan. Yeah, Sirhan, Sirhan. Uh, yeah. What is it about Robert Kennedy? What did you... Let, let me begin by, for for those few people out there who might not realize who the original Robert, not Robert F. Kennedy Jr., but Robert F. Kennedy, RFK, what, what kind of man was he, and how did he, why and, and how did he touch? I mean, a guy who started out really is almost like a hack for his brother and an attorney general and a person who went after gangsters, but he he transformed himself and became an icon of America. How did, how did that happen? You know, during the Kennedy administration, he began changing and... Uh was a somewhat uh, different uh, position in President Kennedy by uh, approaching and dealing with uh, Dr. King, Dr. Martin Luther King, and the, and the civil rights movement. In fact, he was able to get Dr. King out of jail, which is kind of a mark on his early record that he began to understand what his role might be uh, in, the, in the country. Mm-hmm. And what role was that, do you think? Well, uh, first of all, he became attorney general with his brother, uh, even though he didn't want, really want to be that. But he not only became that, but was uh, very effective that way. Uh, he was able to fend off uh, J. Edgar Hoover and his uh, opposition to the Kennedys. He was in uh, all of his uh, kind of bad activities. But he was also very important in dealing uh, with the situation in the in the Far East uh, during the war uh, and uh, establishing a good role for himself and an advisor to President Kennedy. And uh, I, I think that really is, is is one of the most important developments in dealing uh, on, on, on other countries' situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he became a real aide to Kennedy. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, John Kennedy, and also became his own man uh, uh, and uh, was able to deal uh, himself into a political position, which was unique and different from John Kennedy's. Mm-hmm. Now, sir, you're, uh, Paul Stray, you're, you, your your recollection is so sharp and your analysis is right on it and you're, you're, you're educating us here in New York with something many of us didn't know. Maybe we should... Uh, we should have some fun with the audience and uh, tell them that you were there for a lot of this because you are uh, a right, you are a young spry man, right? Well, I was also mature. 
<laughs> and new, new politics. Had worked in a number of presidential campaigns, and uh, I was an officer of the United Auto Workers Union, representing about two hundred thousand members on the uh, California California mm-hmm. in the auto and aerospace plants. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got very active in politics, and actually uh, did some important things to give Robert Kennedy a base in, in California. I had worked with uh, a long time with Dolores Huerta and Cesar Chavez and the farm workers movement, and our union uh, really helped them grow and, and succeed. Uh, I also worked in Watts uh, just before the major first uh, uh, breakout of violence uh, as, a, as a result of uh, police chief... Uh, being pretty, uh, you know, damaging uh, that community and put together the Watts Labor Community Action Committee. Bob came out and and, uh, and did a very good job before the uh, Senate Agricultural Committee uh, helping the farm workers get through a struggle uh, with the, the big grape growers. And he also went to Watts and adopted our program of the Watch Labor Community Action Committee and put a, put together a similar organization in the black community in Brooklyn uh, called the Bedford-Stuyvesant Restoration Project. So <clears throat> I had this really good relationship with him and was able to give him the kind of uh, base in California and the black and Latino communities that was so important in, in the 1968 uh, election uh, for the presidential nomination. Mm-hmm. So um, that that makes you uh, uh, 39 years old? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, I wasn't. Uh, I was born in 1924, and I my birthday was uh, uh, December 7th, 1924. So you figure it out. I think if I do math and, and if my brain is working half as well as yours, I'm saying 97. that's 97, right. Yep. Very good. Well, and I think the, the case is keeping me alive because uh, there aren't many people, in fact, very few understand the evidence uh, in the Robert Kennedy uh, murder uh, because it wasn't Sirhan that shot him, even though he tried. Uh, it was a second gunman. The LAPD has faked the evidence to a point where Sirhan was convicted uh, for a murder he didn't didn't uh, do, and was sent to the gas chamber. And uh, I didn't know this, uh, and I didn't know all the uh, the intrigue and the terrible work the LAPD and the several district attorneys did to uh, ruin uh, this guy. Not that I don't sympathize with him because he shot me and he shot four other people that night. But he did not shoot Robert Kennedy, but was convicted for it based upon evidence that was manufactured, the official term is fabricated, to make him the the, the shooter of Robert Kennedy. Uh-huh. And... How did you come to to think this is the, the to distrust the official story? How did that, that happen? It was interesting. You told us a little bit earlier today, but maybe for folks who weren't listening, how was he ran into Allard Lowenstein and you decided to look into it? Allard Lowenstein in 1972 
who was a member of Congress, had been a member of Congress, was a good friend of Robert Kennedy's. And he came to me and stayed with me and my wife that night and explained that there were people who found uh, evidence that might uh, it might be uh, important in, in, in finding out about the second gunman. And he says, there's two people in your neighborhood that are on to this case. And I said, what do you mean my neighborhood? I know everybody here. And he took me to a home uh, just a few blocks away, right. uh, and uh, two people there uh, a, uh, uh, there had evidence that there may have been a second gun. What their evidence was, they, a young photographer had gone into the pantry area where the shooting took place in the Ambassador Hotel, and he, fi- he photographed two bullet holes with bullets in them in the pantry door frame. Uh-huh. That it really meant well, there were more than eight bullets shot by Sirhan. So it was the first evidence we had that there was something going on that uh, was not true to what the, the record. More bullets uh, were fired. The district attorney at that point, Evel Younger, at the end of the trial said there's going to be full disclosure of all the evidence in this a case against Sirhan on uh, shooting Robert Kennedy. And once the, the these two people came up with this photograph, they tried to sell it, the idea to the, uh, uh, to the police chief, but he wouldn't listen. And what happened then, he, we found out a little bit later, he then decided to lock up the evidence because the evidence was indicated that there was a second gunman. We were not able, we had a a long struggle with a lot of really good people, writers, uh, uh, LAPD people, uh, a lot of investigators. It took us 20 years to get those files out of the hands of the the police department to be reviewed by uh, by the public, which the public had every right to know. But they were not available, and we find it took 20 years to get them. We found a lot of destruction in those files and evidence that indicated the second gunman, indicated uh, extra bullet holes that were never revealed uh, during the, the trial. And uh, so we were able at that point to really mount an, uh, an offensive in getting the information uh, about what really happened that night. Mm-hmm. And what do you think really happened? I know what happened. Uh, Sirhan, uh, I was in the, uh, first of all, uh, Bob made his uh, victory speech and thanked me and several others. And uh, uh, I left the platform, waited uh, in the pantry area where Bob was supposed to pass through there to a press conference in the, what was called the Colonial Room, but just a, maybe 30 feet of, further in. Uh, he came in alone, which was strange because his bodyguards, Rafer Johnson and uh, Rosie Greer and Bill, uh, Bill Taylor, uh, were not with him. But they even slowed down because Ethel was pregnant with Carrie, and uh, three, three months, and uh, uh, they were pr- protecting her getting off the platform and down into the pantry area. 
So Bob came in alone. The first thing he did was shake hands with Jesus Perez and and, uh, and Juan Romero, who's the bus, boy, the famous bus boy. Uh, and I recognized that this was really something that Latinos uh, uh, saw in Robert Kennedy, somebody who was friendly and supportive. Uh, Romero was the one who, after Bob got shot, uh, was holding him and and uh, holding his head. Uh, and, and and Bob was saying to him, is everybody okay? Is Paul all right? Uh-huh. And uh, that was confirmed later when a doctor... Uh, went to him, and Bob must have asked him how he was, and the doctor said, Paul's going to be all right. I just checked his heartbeat. Because I'd been shot first, and now the way that I get to the point where there's a second gunman is, as Sirhan fired two bullets uh, at Robert Kennedy and me, Miss Kennedy shot me. That's two bullets. He was then grabbed by the... Uh, Major D, uh, Carl Euchre, who was Bob's chief uh, uh, aide, and getting him uh, uh, through the pantry to the colonial ballroom for the uh, colonial room for the uh, mm-hmm. press conference. Well, he grabs uh, Sir hand around the neck, pushed him up against a steam table, and bent over him, holding him down. That's when Rosie Greer and Ivor Johnson, uh, Rosie Greer and Johnson, uh, came in and and uh, also laid on top of uh, Sirhan with a lot of other people. Sirhan could not aim and shoot, but he kept firing his gun. Six more shots. First two hitting me, missing Kennedy. Six more. Of those six, four of them went into four different people. He wounded with a fifth bullet going into the pant leg of one of the four people he wounded. That's seven bullets he fired out of an eight-shot Ivor Johnson Cadet Models 22 uh, uh, pistol. Mm-hmm. Kennedy was shot in the back in an eastward position when position uh, eastward eastward. Yeah, and Sirhan was firing westward, so Kennedy got shot in the back by the second gunman. Four shots in the back at point blank range. Sirhan was never in that position to shoot Kennedy four and four times in the in the back at point blank range. He was off in a different position shooting the six of us, and and and, and so it doesn't make any sense. When I say six, I really mean five plus one through a pant leg. So those wow. six bullets uh, were... Did you have time to think about this? I mean, you just the got... Other, sh- the, uh, just one more thing. Yeah, go ahead. The, there, uh, uh, the, the people, the criminalists who checked the bullets that were uh, taken from Kennedy and, and uh, three of the uh, people who were wounded didn't match. The Kennedy bullet came from a different gun. It came from a Harrington Richardson 22 pistol using federal bullets, and Sirhan was using an Ivor Johnson gun with uh, CCI bullets. So here we have two guns, two different 
shooters and and and, uh, and all this evidence of the second gunman. Yet the LAPD has never admitted there was a second gunman, even though their evidence proves it so. Mm-hmm. Why do you think? What are they hiding? What? Is it that the LAPD is covering up for if what you say would this you... Is, this is the biggest question. We don't know. They actually convicted, they, uh, they, they actually indicted, convicted Sirhan of, of the murder and sent him to the gas chamber to die. So the question of who the second gunman is is, is so significant now why were they sending the person who didn't shoot Robert Kennedy to the gas chamber to cover up the second gunman? He must have been somebody pretty important to the LAPD and to the district attorney because they're the ones that made the fake evidence that produced a, a, an indictment and a conviction for, for, for Sirhan Bishar Sirhan. Uh-huh. He's not guilty. And... Uh, that second gunman. So your question about who, mm-hmm. I don't know. We don't know. Nobody knows except those people who did the cover-up. All right. Uh, we've been hearing this story It's from Paul Schrade, who was a witness when Robert F. Kennedy was shot and is uh, advocating the idea, which is very believable to me, that there was a second gunman. I've seen the documentaries. I've seen some of these films myself. Uh, and uh, it seems without a doubt, uh, a lot of us were touched by this. Um, I was I was touched by JFK assassination for sure, but I was just a child, a small child, didn't really understand the significance of it. But I'll never forget 1968, 12 years old in my sixth grade classroom and the effect it had on all of us uh, yeah. that this happened. And then, you know, that same year as Martin Luther King next, it was just a shocking year. Um, our number we have we're taking calls. And you have a few minutes to stay with us and maybe take some calls from folks? Yes, I do. Great, great. So what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to read out the number a couple of times, and I'm going to play a little clip from that night in the Ambassador Hotel. So I'm giving you a trigger warning in advance if it brings back memories. And then when we come back, we're going to hopefully be taking your calls at 212-209-2877. 212-209-2877. Our guest, Paul Schrade, who uh, was there standing next to Robert F. Kennedy when he was shot in 1968 and actually was shot himself by a bullet that was aimed at at RFK, it seems. And, and he says there's a second gun and that the LAPD is hiding. The Los Angeles Police Department is hiding facts that they have and uh, and preventing people for some reason from getting to the truth of the situation. So what we're going to do is not what we're going to do is listen now to a little clip from those days. Mutual broadcasting system. Andy West was in the hallway, the kitchen hallway in the Ambassador Hotel last night. When Senator Kennedy was shot, he is perhaps the man who was closest to the senator when the shots were fired. Let's go back now to that hour last night. First, Senator Kennedy in victory, and then the voice of reporter West, as our cameras show the panic that gripped the scene. So I thank thank all of you who made this possible this evening. All of the effort that you made, and all of the people whose names I haven't mentioned, but who made all, did all of the work at the precinct level, who got out the vote, who did all of the effort, uh, brought forth all of the effort that's required. I was a campaign manager eight years ago. I know what a difference that kind of an effort and that kind of commitment makes. So I thank all of you. Those of you who are here. 
Mayor, Mayor Yorty has just sent me a message that we've been here too long already. So, uh, my thanks to all of you, and now it's on to Chicago, and let's win there. Thank you. And we're watching uh, the uh, video footage of the film footage in those days of uh, Robert F. Kennedy just finishing his victory speech at the Ambassador Hotel. He then heads, uh, for some reason, alone without proper security through the kitchen where he's met by um, his fate. And the police and the authorities uh, blamed Sirhan Sirhan, who is now being, you know, potentially facing parole after many, many decades in prison. But others who were there, including our guest, say that's not exactly what happened. That in fact there was a second gunman. This was a um, in second gunman means definitely a conspiracy and not just the lone gunman theory of the past. It is possible, ladies and gentlemen. It is possible he has not only Senator Kennedy. Oh, my God. Senator Kennedy has been shot. And another man, a Kennedy campaign manager, and possibly shot in the head. I am right here. Rafer Johnson has a hold of a man who apparently has fired the shot. That's it, Rafer. Get it. Get the gun, Rafer. Okay, now hold on to the guy. Hold on to him. Hold on to him, ladies and gentlemen. Hold him. Hold him. <coughs> we don't want another Oswald. Hold him, Raper. We don't want another Oswald. Hold him, Raper. Keep people away from him. Keep people away from him. All right, ladies and gentlemen. And people were kept away from him, and the police have him in custody. And there it is, uh, as it was all those years ago. And uh, our guests with us, Paul Schrade, is uh, grace, graciously uh, uh, agreed to stay with us while we take a few of your calls. And the, the phone banks are lit up, so uh, our number is 212-209-2877 if you have a question or comment. And we'll go to our first call. Uh, you're welcome to WBAI. You're on the air. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Question or comment well, for Well, first thing I'd like to say is, uh, yeah, I was a young kid, and you, you, uh, when I saw the replays on the anniversaries and then the subsequent investigations or coverage, you, you, I, you kind of go back to when I was younger and feeling what was going on. You can sort of, you know, I can remember uh, it was it wasn't good. It was like this mass, you know, mm-hmm. negative consciousness that. Something bad happened. Um, Question or comment for our guest, Paul Schrade, who was there, who was standing next to him, uh, took one of the bullets. Yeah. Um, Well, the country's never been the same. I mean, you could say that probably every decade, right? But for us, for me, uh, the country's never been the same after that. Uh, 
I mean, even, I mean, just a lot of systems just changed. Uh, even public radio, even listener yeah. supported radio. That's for sure. Well, the 60s that. changed everything, right? And then we have those things. 9 11 changed everything. That's for sure in a different way. But well, BAI lost their building in 66, right? Well, I guess that was in before my time. I, I was 10 years old back then. But, uh, all right. Thank you very much, caller. And we're going to go. Wait, on. wait, wait, yeah. wait. Got your question? Like you have a question? question. Yeah, Hold go on. ahead with the question. Yeah. All right. Let's say he just a hypothetical one. Let's say Bobby survived this. Do you think they would have got to him anyway again? Because these two guys didn't seem to. I got to think that they they got to had known that you know there was some um, you know uh, Brutuses around them. Do you think they would have got to him uh, eventually? These guys didn't seem to listen to like really take care. You know. Most likely. Mm-hmm. Most likely. Could have yeah. happened. Yeah. Well, we know well, what thanks for happen. your work and uh, and um, and uh, carry on, right? <laughs> uh, what a wonderful! Uh, I'm glad to, yeah, well, to hear you. I've been able to do in working with the family is we spent 20 years. Uh, we had a reunion of uh, most of the people to host Bob uh, and his staff and and family. Uh, at Loyola University in Los Angeles, and at that time, we decided to uh, tear down the Ambassador Hotel, which was a wreck and not being used, uh, but was going to be rehabbed. And we took, we, we after 20 years, we were able to tear down the Ambassador and build a school uh, called the Robert Kennedy Community Schools, which contains six high schools and uh, three middle schools and uh, three uh, elementary schools, all with different curricula. And it's just a magnificent place. Mostly the kids are from the, the neighborhood, uh, from Central American countries or black. Uh, some white, but it's a really good mixed uh, population that harmonizes in that school. That's great. I, I, have, a, I have a challenge for you. Uh, you're probably up for it. Um, maybe through that foundation, we could put metal detectors and better security in all the schools because I can't for the life of me figure out how these shootings keep happening if yeah. they had a system that uh, detects guns in a better way. So uh, bless you. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that this t today, in this moment, that to, uh, to mm -hmm. be in your presence and, and Paul, great coverage. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right. We're going to go on to the next call. And joining us, you're on the radio here on WBAI. You're on the air. Hello? Yes, we lost that person. Sorry. You're on the radio. Hello? Yes. Good morning, uh, uh, Paul and Mr. Schrade. Uh, thank you for your service to our country and humanity, literally. Uh, Paul, first of all, thank you for Tennessee Ernie Ford singing Marching Through Georgia a couple weeks ago. <laughs> right, that's cool, right? That was, a, that was an early Christmas present. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And, and the Russian Army Chorus, of course. Right. Mr. Schrade, if you could just diverge a little bit, since you were part of the um, United Auto Workers, could you tell us about that other great man, Walter Ruther, and his, his incredible you know, legacy? And also the, the mysterious way in which he disappeared, but that, that, that freaking um, airplane crash in Michigan. Are you, were you part of Yeah, well, he was shot, too. Uh, uh, and we don't never did find out who it was. 
and uh, I served uh, as president of my local uh, UAW in California, North American Aviation Aircraft, where those aircraft and auto uh, companies uh, in our our jurisdiction. And I actually worked for him as administrative assistant, got into the national board representing the West Coast, and uh, we never really did find out uh, who shot him. Uh, I had a really good relationship with him. I actually left a uh, scholarship program at Yale University in my last two years and went to work just to get some more money to go through my senior year. And I wound up at North American Aviation and a member of the UAW, became president of local, western director, served on the international board. So I actually changed my career in that period. What I did like about Walter Ruth is that he was a really honest guy and uh, ran a good program. And uh, we disagreed on, on, on Robert Kennedy. He was still supporting Johnson uh, at, at at that time, and I went public and got into real trouble with him, uh, even though uh, I, I admired his work and uh, we were good friends for, for a long time. But he was uh, pretty tough on me during that period, but I felt I was doing the right thing, and I, I did. Unfortunately, I wound up in this tragedy of losing Bob. Well, at that time, and people don't realize, and you were there, I mean, the whole March on Washington with Martin Luther King, didn't the United Auto Workers sponsor a lot of that? The guy, I, got that? I, I didn't get the question. Oh. Did they, uh, well, the did, question is, yeah, go ahead. Say a little louder. Just speak up a little louder. I'm sorry. Yeah, certainly. The, the UAW was a big part of the, uh, the Martin Luther King speech. I mean, you know, that whole event, the March on Washington. Oh, yeah, we were. Like we... We had buses all through the South and to the Midwest of UAW members. We've really helped build the crowd there that, 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 that Dr. King spoke. And one of the things that resulted from that, uh, I was sitting on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial uh, listening uh, to this and, and seeing that big crowd, many more than Trump got when he was uh, inaugurated. And... Uh, that happened that day, Walter Ruther uh, was able to get to Jack Kennedy, and so for the first time, Dr. King met with Kennedy in the White House with a group of people that were with him uh, during that speech. It was a, a real uh, coalition that we were able to build uh, at that point, and uh, it was very dramatic and very helpful, loved it all. Very good. My last thing, understanding that Congressman John Lewis, who spoke, they told him to tone down his speech, because Paul checked this out. Yeah. He, 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 he said, did it in a way. What we need to do is march the old Dixie like Sherman. <laughs> yeah, he, oh, he my song. Speech, but it was really good. John was really great that day, too, along with King and Ruther. Oh, uh, wow. that, that was kind of a... a Troublesome thing, but uh, they were trying to do a good job that day, and uh, and it finally resulted in a good connection with JFK. Mm-hmm. Great, thank you, caller. I'm going to go on to the next call. All right, appreciate your, your great questions. Really learning a lot here. Thank you so much for staying on with us. And here is another caller. You're on the radio. Hello. Oh yeah, here he is, Chris Flash, our hey. resident, our resident uh, RFK assassination expert. 
not an expert actually, but a but a, a aficionado. Who's, since my teenage years, uh, um, been studying the assassinations of John and Bobby Kennedy, um, and it's really amazing that you know, Paul, you're here on the show with my buddy Paul DiRienzo because um, to get an actual witness. Um, I was relieved when I just did a little bit of research on you to see that you are, are of the correct opinion, in my opinion, that there was more than one shooter, that Sirhan standing in front of Bobby about three to four to six feet in front of him could not have inflicted the fatal bullets, um, which were under his armpit, I believe, and behind his neck, I believe, um, leaving powder burns, indicating someone firing from a very close range. Um, so uh, actually, the powder burns uh, were on the back of his head and also on his jacket. Uh, he took uh, three bullets. Uh, Bob did, and, yeah, and, uh, and they were point blank range. And there was powder burns uh, on the back of his head. Uh, the two bullets that uh, landed there. Is it, is it true that Sirhan got no closer than uh, four to six feet, and he was standing in front of Bob? Yeah, right. He was no shots. Several feet in front of us. So he couldn't have and, done those uh, shots from behind, could he? Yeah. His gun was, uh, according to the police and according to what we found out, too, where we agreed with the police, where we don't agree on much, uh, they said the gun was two to three feet from Kennedy, which means he was probably four to five feet. His body was four to five feet from Kennedy because his arm was outstretched. Are you familiar uh, because with... Because when he was firing a twenty two. You don't want it close to your face. You, you stretch it out because of the uh, the gunpowder coming off the back of the gun, gotcha. uh, not the front. And uh, that also are relates you, to... Are you, are you familiar with, with a, a journalist? Um, I don't know if he's still with us. His name, is, his name was Theodore Chirac, or Ted Chirac. I believe he's an Australian journalist, and he put together a really interesting documentary. Um, yeah, he's he, actually Canadian. Uh, okay, he, he, did, he did the best work. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about his 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 uh, actually speaking with the rent guard, the rent cop, named Eugene Thane Caesar, who admitted yeah. to shooting his gun? He did, yeah. Interviewed um, and him, then, and they couldn't He's find the gun. There's a, there's a book uh, called The Second Gun by Chirac. Wow, I should see that. Uh, and uh, it's got the best evidence, the best physical and uh, forensic evidence that anybody has ever had. He got a good start. The important thing about Chirac, uh, the one thing that he found out was that St. Eugene Caesar, who hated the Kennedys, is still considered the main suspect because he was a, a plumber at Lockheed Aircraft, but he had the second, yard, uh, second job uh, as a security guard and was hired that night with, uh, with six others who... Or, uh, had guns because the LAP, uh, the uh, ambassador didn't have any guards with g guards with guns, and so they hired these seven people because there were three big celebrations that night of election results, uh, uh, people running for state office, and thousands of people in that hotel. So Saint Eugene Caesar, his, he was supposed to be the guard, the uh, the. Uh, Guarding the pantry entrance, but when Bob came out of uh, off the platform and into that pantry area, he grabbed Bob by his arm and led him into the uh, pantry into the gunfire by Sir Hand. Wow! Uh, he wow. also had the same kind of gun we now know, 
uh, fired the bullets into Kennedy, uh, uh, Harrington Richardson. He owned that uh, gun like that. I don't uh, uh, say that he's the one, but he's a, the prime suspect. And the LAPD never really investigated him or his activities that night. They let him go free without any kind of uh, understanding of what he did that night. And uh, that's still a very, you know, part of the second gun mystery because uh, uh, we don't know. got him on the phone in his documentary and got Caesar by phone to admit that he fired his gun in the pantry. Not that he fired at RFK, but that he fired the gun, which is still pretty damning. And then, of course, conveniently, the gun went missing. And then a contradictory story was that he sold the gun, so no more gun. Um, do you know what the Thomas Noguchi, the coroner, uh, he was... Well, on, he was the, on the gun, uh, he said, uh, Caesar, Thane Eugene Caesar said he sold that gun in January of 68. And Shirak <laughs> is the guy that found the owner of that gun because he had sold it to a guy named... Um, who, uh, got a memory block there. He sold it was pretty darn good, I'd say. Huh? Your memory's pretty darn good, I'd say. Anyway. Thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll get to it. But he sold his gun to this fellow worker at Lockheed, an engineer who retired to his home in, uh, in Arkansas. Uh, Caesar found this guy. The guy had a receipt for the gun, uh, for Caesar's gun which is dated June 68, and that's, uh, that receipt is, has been published. So here the guy lied about it, and, and, and then, he, then he told Chirac, he said, uh, uh, let's see, let, let me get this straight. Uh, uh, the guy that bought the gun uh, said he was told by Caesar, be careful of this gun. It was used in a police action in oh. June of 68. Oh, God. Which really points to him as, well, first of all, he's a chief su- suspect. Bobby Jr., uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr., accuses him of that. He tried to meet with him, but he got up, uh, an author, uh, Dan Moldea, did a couple of books on, on, the, on the case. He had a contract with Caesar and was going to charge Bobby Kennedy $25,000 to go to the Philippines where he was then living oh. to, to interview uh, uh, Caesar. I heard Caesar died a few years ago, uh, if not more recently. Yeah, not that long ago, yeah. Yeah. Um, do you know about Thomas Noguchi was, um, being fired for refusing to uh, withdraw his official finding, which was that uh, Bobby got shot from behind close range? And it couldn't have been Sirhan, and because Noguchi refused to, to stick with the official story, they fired him, and he had to sue to get his job back. I read that in the yeah, he did get his job back, but he was correct in, in, uh, on, the, on, the, on the whole question of distance, because uh, he said the fatal bullet, uh, there's a, different versions of this, but he said in the jury, uh, before the jury, he said he, the, gun, the uh, second, second gunman's, gun was in contact or within a half inch to an inch from Bob's head. So it was a really point-blank shot, uh, which, of course, uh, Sirhan could have not 
should not have done that. Had to be the second gunman. Do you, do you buy and into the idea? really plays a, an important role here in, in backing us. He's still alive, by the way, in the late nineties, like I am. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> still working. And uh, really amazing. Yeah. Do you buy into the idea that Sirhan was possibly uh, hypnotized as a sort of a Manchurian candidate? I don't go that way. Uh, it's possible. There's people who say he did. He's been uh, checked out. But all I, I know is, is he, think he, was there, in on he it. fired his gun at me and Bob. He fired his gun, uh, even though it was under control by the people on top of him. Uh, the other uh, four people were shot by, by four, five bullets. You might so be we know he shot seven bullets. Uh, uh, out of the eight shot uh, revolver, so therefore he couldn't have been the second gunman. Right the Bentley gunman who shot Kennedy. I was just wondering if you thought that he was intentionally shooting or if he was just blindly shooting to create a distraction while the real shooter could do his thing. Do you think Sirhan was in on it or perhaps... A no, I don't, I don't see that connection. And See, I, don't, I, I stick strictly with the evidence that we have. Right. And not get into the speculation. Right. Because it doesn't take you anyplace. You're right. What does take me to the appropriate place is that the, uh, the Sirhan was framed by the police in the grand jury, the jury, and, and before the Superior Court, when CBS and I went to challenge the, the idea of that Sirhan was, a, was, a, was the murderer. Wow. Wow, Chris, I want to move on to another yes, person who's calling. Thank this you, is thank great. You, Post I really you, thanks for your questions. With you. it's, it's really an honor, and thank you so much. Thank you. Take All care. Right. Chris Lash, thank you. All right. And you're on the radio. Welcome to WBAI. Good morning. Um, I didn't catch your guest's name, unfortunately. Paul Schrade. He was standing next to RFK in the fuselage of bullets and caught one of those bullets himself. Yeah, well, Mr. Schrader, um, thank that God uh, blessed you with is still blessing you with a long life, and I like the quality of your discussion. And uh, I would—I don't know if you'll be able to say any speak to this, but this, I'm looking for something on opinion, not the fact. And you seem to be very good with the facts. Uh, and but you were—you mentioned the UAW and a long-standing uh, involvement with them, and. No. The, I just can't wrap my head around how the labor movement, through all this period of mass incarceration, has not really spoken out loudly against prison labor. And I don't know if you have an opinion on that uh, or any facts to share with us, but if you do, uh, I certainly would like to hear them. About prison labor? About the unions non-going uh, after, taking a position against prison labor. You never hear anything about There's it. There's probably policy out there, but I don't know. I never was involved in any any kind of action on that, and I don't think my union was. And uh, yeah. uh, I, I know that the labor movement generally is, is for fair trials and and, and uh, good representation, but uh, that's such a hard thing to take care of. Because uh, this country is in such a terrible position on, on the whole police question, except we've got new, two new trials that uh, at least vindicates uh, some of the people in the uh, 
some of the prosecutors in the in, in, uh, in the last two cases that we've heard with, with black victims. Okay. But I, I don't know anything to answer your question. Okay, well, thank you very much for your opinion, and uh, thank you, DAI, for being here, and people give to the Tower Fund. Yeah, that's it, Tower like Fund. like this anywhere else. Thank you for that. Appreciate thank it. You. Mention it, right? Good night. Great. Wow. Paul Schrade, what a, a bunch of interesting questions, deep questions. I'll be thinking about them for a long time to come. Um, what do you think? Where does this go? Or uh, You've already uh, spoken for uh, – what do you think it's gonna be, life is going to be like for Sirhan Sirhan when he – when and if he gets out of jail? Well, there's a lot of problems now. Uh, seven members of the Kennedy family, sons and daughters, have come out against uh, the parole. And uh, two of them have not, two of them are for the parole, RFK Jr. and his uh, brother, uh, uh, his younger brother. Uh, and that's that's a tough case thing to crack because uh, I've tried to talk to Joe uh, and to Carrie who are kind of leading the case against parole, but they won't talk about it. In fact, with Carrie, uh, she had this very emotional uh, television program recently on CBS along with Joe. Uh, which I'm contending with as, as much as I can, because in, in the case of CBS and the LA Times and uh, AP, uh, they don't get into the question of whether they're a second gunman or not. They don't raise questions to Joe or Terry, who are doing a lot of the public uh, statements, uh, they don't ask them, well, what evidence do you have? And uh, and, the, and the newspapers and the television people that are handling this case do not do the same thing. When I talk to newspapers or, or television, they say, uh, they just say, well, Paul believes or Paul thinks or Paul may. They never get into the, the evidence that they should be getting into. They're not doing a complete journalism policy in, in doing that. And that's throughout the country, except for a couple of people like you uh, are willing to listen to the, the evidence of the case. But the evidence never appears in, in most of the publications and the television in this country. Mm. It's sad. And uh, that, that justice will not be done, that... Uh, you know, obvious questions that should call into question what happened here. You know, we're, we're familiar with how many people the Innocence Project, for example, has gotten released from jail. And when they're saying that, you know, there's actual innocence, provable actual innocence in a large percentage of cases where people go to jail and to prison and they serve long sentences and sometimes they're released and sometimes not. But the evidence is is damning just how poor the uh the the system is in uh in making sure that innocent people don't go to prison yeah. and that the right, right person you know gets charged with a heinous crime like a murder or assassination yeah. it's shocking well, we, the, i think the most dramatic thing that i understand now is that the day that bob died june 6th 
at 1.44 a.m. Uh, oh my God, it's 1.49 right now in New York, by the way. Joe and, and, and Kathleen. Kathleen was 16, Joe 15, Bobby Jr. was 14. They were flown into Los Angeles on Uber Humphrey's AF2. They flown into L.A. airport. They went to the hotel to see their, the body of their father and visit their mother and the, kid, the younger kids who were at the ambassador uh, at the at the hospital, the Good Samaritan. They came in to do that. They then went back into an Air Force plane with about seventy people, staff, friends. Uh, Jackie Kennedy, uh, uh, Coretta King had flown into L.A. to be with the new widows, widow, uh, um, mm. Kath, uh, uh, the new widows. It's interesting the way you put it. Uh, those three widows and the staff and all of you know friends went back on the Air Force plane to to Washington. Well, during that day. Without any investigation of the facts of the case, the forensic district attorney, John Minor, recruited the head of the crime lab. They went into the crime lab in the LAPD headquarters. They took out a gun, a twenty-two, which Dwayne Wolfer, the head of the lab, said it was a perfect match for Sirhan's twenty-two, cadet model, and Ivor Johnson. They took that gun and they fired three bullets. The three bullets that were recovered from Kennedy, from, a, from the back of his head, back of his neck, from uh, Wiesel, from his belly, from uh, Goldstein, from his left butt. Those three bullets were then, they fired three bullets. And Wayne Wolf was the head of the LAPD crime lab went to the quickly called grand jury the next day, June 7, and testified saying these two bullets were from Kennedy and from uh, Goldstein, and they were fired by Sirhan. Actually, they were the two bullets he fired the day before from the Ivor Johnson gun out of, out of the police storage unit. That sounds like fraud. It sounds like manufacturing evidence. Big time. But that's not generally known, and they use that. They then use that evidence, and the, and the, so he gets he gets indicted. They put a, a month later. They put out a list of bullets with falsifications, saying there are only eight bullets, and these are the eight bullets. The one bullet they had me on the list said it was I was uh, wounded by a CCI bullet. From a, from Sirhan, but on the record, the, the, police, uh, the police public record, they say the bullet that I got in the head was fired by the second gunman through the uh, right shoulder pad of Bobby's, Bobby's coat. So the whole, that's the second case of fraud. There's all fraud in between, but uh, the, the, the next major fraud was at the jury uh, in the jury trial where they use that evidence and it's listed in the, in the and identified as bullet evidence that they actually fabricated 
And uh, so, so we never, never knew about this fabrication. We found out about it only when CBS National Network and I filed uh, petitions jointly without knowing each other doing this, but we joined forces with CBS National Lawyers and went before the Superior Court and, and challenged the, the evidence. But we didn't fi find out, and they came up with the, the decision that it was a, a lone gunman, which we, was shocked us because we thought we had evidence that there wasn't. But we didn't have the evidence that they were using the fake bullets and the the grand jury or the, uh, the jury trial. We only found out after we got a couple of years later that the full report from the California Superior Court where it listed these three bullets were, had been re uh, I don't know if you know what they do with bullets, but they generally engrave the bottom of the, the bullet to identify it. Well, the Kennedy bullet was originally TN-31, Thomas Noguchi, 31. Uh, there was an X by the doctor that uh, took the bullet out of Wiesel's butt and uh, uh, out, of, no, out of his belly. And the, uh, the X was on the bullet from, uh, from uh, Goldstein. The, the bullet from Wiesel uh, had, had a different marking on it. So these three fake bullets were used on all three steps, jury, grand jury, jury, superior court. And we haven't been able to get the LAPD to admit to this. They won't accept their own evidence. Uh, well, uh, unfortunately, we have to leave it at that. I don't know if we'll ever have the closure that people are looking for. I think maybe some members of the Kennedy family you know, want to just take the closure and say that's what happened, but... Obviously, this is uh, when the dead wound lie, you know you have a problem. Uh, well, besides your challenge to me <laughs> yeah. uh, to get this out, and I really appreciate your yeah. letting me make this case uh, publicly for the first time, because I'm actually going on record here in California as much as I can. I'm trying to get to CBS to get them to give me time to... Uh, Go after the uh, the case that the the reporter made that it was uh, Sirhan, based upon his interviews with with Kerry Kennedy and Joe Kennedy, who, who still say it was Sirhan. So you're taking it on. You're continuing the fight. To, and uh, does Sirhan know that he has, uh, for whatever reason, that he has people who uh, played a major role in saving his life and getting him out of jail? Does he understand that? much so he's really appreciative but uh, yeah what really what happened uh, a, a woman uh, who began working with prisoners was able to work with prisoners in Sirhan's prison and go into the prison work with Sirhan and they actually educated him on how to approach the parole board on what to say and, and how to uh, you know and show his humble side and that he was knew that he was innocent. Actually, he says he doesn't remember. But he, of course, he doesn't remember because he didn't do the, the the shooting of Robert Kennedy. But so she was able to uh, coax him 
into a position so when he went to the parole board for the first time, he was able, they were able to understand that he was really uh, uh, felt that, uh, that... He wasn't faking it. Wasn't faking it, yeah. All right, All right Paul Shrey, thank you so much for joining us here uh, well, in New York. Well, thanks for doing this, and you uh, gave me some good practice for my dealing with CBS now. <laughs> gave me some great practice, too. Thanks you so much, and we're going to stay in touch on this, all right? Anything all right, develops. Paul, thank you. All right. Take care. That's very helpful. All right. Paul Schrey joining us from Los Angeles, California. He was standing next to Robert F. Kennedy when the bullets were flying. He took one of those bullets himself. Very sad story, unfortunate. Uh, but he's here with us at the age of uh, 97 years young and uh, and sharing with us those incidents, you know, so we know them before they fade away. We never hear anything because it seems like there's a, some sort of cover-up going on and, and information has been kept from the public or uh, obfuscated so that the public doesn't know it, you know, put in some sort of uh, haze. Um, so it's great to hear from somebody who was there, you know, and to put that on the record, you know, very, very important. Thank you, WBAI, for allowing us to do that.